Good morning, Brian. How are you doing today? I'm great. Thank you. How's this mic sound? Does it sound okay? Oh, it sounds absolutely fantastic. You're just like me, man. That microphone is, I mean, to me, it's its the the keys to someone else's ears. And, and, you, and you're exactly. always exactly. thinking about who's on the other side. <laughs> Precisely. To put a book like this together, I mean, I, it's almost like I, I need to know where you're coming from in the way of I Fox has become such a part of my life because it's that one network I go to to find out, well, what are they thinking? What are they going to tell me this time? And then I'm going to go to another website and compare it and compare it and compare it. I mean, it's here and it's not going to change probably. Uh, I think that is true. I think in some ways Fox News is more influential than ever, uh, even though it is challenged and is facing dozens, you could even say hundreds of wannabe competitors. Fox is still the beating heart of the GOP for better and for worse. And I argue oftentimes for the worse. It still has an enormous amount of power. And uh, because of the 2020 election, the the lies about the election, the fallout from those lies, the lawsuits, I felt like I had to put the last three years into this book to summarize what's changing at Fox. Did you ever think we'd be here doing this? <laughs> what do you mean by that? In in the way that I mean, I mean, you know, 10, 15 years ago, it was just a network. Today, it's it's you know, it's like, oh my God, we're 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 going right down this line, and it's like, okay, there's there there are no there's no way to get off this highway. It's they they're bringing news in their own way and fashion, even though they've been charged with so many different things and fined. It definitely feels as if we are way down the road toward a splintered, uh, very splintered alternative media universe, you know, an environment where you can choose your own adventure, choose your own news. And and I don't say that in a way that's necessarily celebratory. Look, on one hand, yes, I want diversity in media. We need diversity in media. But what we don't need, what we suffer from is uh, an avalanche of dis and misinformation, of propaganda that's disguised to look and smell like news, but is not actually news. Yeah. Uh, and, and look, you know, I, I call out the likes of Sean Hannity for, for broadcasting that way. Sean Hannity's show looks like a newscast. He purports to be uh, presenting the truth to his audience, but what he's really doing is telling a very one-sided story uh, in an attempt to destroy President Biden and lift up Donald Trump. You know, that that is an environment where People, people who love Hannity, they don't want to watch the evening news. Right. They only want to watch uh, Hannity and, and shows like his. And that fragmentation, that splintering, yes, it is It is much more severe than it was 10 or 20 years ago. Oh, my God. I'm the same way with Stephen Colbert. That's where I'm going to get my 11 o'clock news is it, because I know he's going to come through and he's <laughs> going to give me his vision. And it's like, dude, you can't be doing this. This, this is about comedy. <laughs> well... At least, at least he's laughing, you know. So yeah. at least it feels like he's in on it, and, and we know where he's coming from. Uh, look, and that and that's the thing. And I'll give Hannity credit for this. Hannity does uh, say that he is a proud registered Republican who wants to support Republicans. He's not hiding who he is. Mm-hmm. But you know, my issue fought with Fox more is that they've reduced the amount of news programming and they've really upped the amount of opinion programming. So if you want to go and get a balanced news diet, you're not really going to get it uh, from Fox. Uh, you know, people could say that you never got it. I know liberals would say that Fox was never providing that. But but actually, 20 years ago, they employed a lot more reporters and correspondents yeah. than they do today. Uh, that's why they've put the lie in the network of lies. Wow, that's that's so interesting that you bring that up because I have that conversation with more people that I'm not getting news headlines anymore like I used to. My God, I was there when CNN first came on the air with Ted Turner, and it was like, oh, my God, this this is what I live for. It's not the same old networks anymore. Uh, we've moved from a media environment of scarcity to a media environment of abundance. You know, that's the, the biggest change that I, I've seen in, in my lifetime, and especially in the 20 years covering media. 
we, we've moved from uh, where uh, an era where it was hard to publish, where very few voices were heard, into a world where every voice is heard. And, and in many ways, that's that's very advantageous. There are lots and lots of upsides to that. The downside, though, you know, is very vivid in my book. You have a random woman in Minnesota send a conspiracy theory to a Trump lawyer yep. who sends it to Fox host Maria Bartiromo, who goes on live TV and repeats the lie, who then spreads it to millions of people, yep. who then re- tells it to Donald Trump, and then the president's telling that lie, and then some of his voters get so angry that they raid the Capitol. Like, that is the kind of connective tissue that can happen in an environment where everybody's a publisher, where everybody is a media, a member of the media, where everybody is able uh, to, to communicate at all times, it is incredibly powerful in many ways, but the downside is also very real. I can't imagine the show prep that is required to be on one of these programs because, I mean, they can go in any direction and there's always an expert in that direction. Uh, I think that's true. Yeah, I think that's true. I mean, you know, look, I spent about a decade, almost a decade uh, at CNN uh, doing live TV and and live TV, you know, just like live radio, just like a a live podcast. It is you feel like you're up on a tightrope without a net. Uh, You know, you you feel like you are balancing so many things. You you know, you never you never know what your guests or your experts going to say. And uh, it is a very it's such an intense experience. It's such a rush. Uh, frankly. How do you deal with as a journalist in in the way that and I'm so guilty of this, I'm reading the first paragraph on CNN.com or when there is a reel, I'll I'll watch maybe the first 15, 20 seconds of the story and say, okay, I got what I need. We need to move beyond that and get that, get get the whole entire story instead of what we what we think we need. Well, you know, yes, and, and two points about that. Number one, we need a slow news movement in this country. It's like a slow food movement, mm-hmm. you know. We need a slow news movement. We need uh, to encourage and, and and point people toward more in-depth uh, and more thoughtful reporting that takes more time. But the, the issue, of course, is the business model. Uh, right now, I think we live in an age of the best of times, worst of times of media, where there is there's more incredible, original, groundbreaking investigative journalism than ever before. There really is. There's there's no shortage of it, but most of it is behind paywalls. Most of it is kind of hard to find. Most of it is not freely available to the public. You need to be a subscriber or a member. You need to know where to find it. Yep. You need to you need to be an engaged consumer. If you just passively sit back and read whatever comes across your Facebook page, you're not getting that really in-depth, really high-quality news. You're just getting whatever the algorithm spat out at you, sometimes a computer-generated news story that no editor was involved with at all. So it's best of times, worst of times. And uh, then I guess the, the answer is, it's incumbent on people to subscribe, on people to put their money where their mouth is, to seek out uh, the high quality news coverage if, if and when they can afford it. You know, I suppose it just puts more impetus on the consumer because we have to go out and seek it ourselves. The name of the book is Network of Lies, the Epic Saga of Fox News. And and, and talking with other journalists as well as uh, other broadcasters, it, it all reminds me of how being at that radio station, the GM, the sales department, they were always saying, get something up on your personal website so we can sell it. I don't care what it is, get something up. Is that the way that, that Fox found itself? Just get somebody to the network. We got to get them there no matter what. What is it going to take today? Uh, I know. I think now we're getting into the the basics of capitalism, right? And and this this complex media marketplace. Uh, What what I saw in these emails and texts that were obtained by Dominion in the lawsuit against Fox was was a real intense and obsessive pressure to keep the audience at all costs, to keep the audience watching, to keep the audience hooked. Uh, Frankly, what it seemed like at Fox, uh, the, the pressure seemed so much more intense than what I ever experienced firsthand at CNN. 
I would look at my ratings. I was interested yeah, in, in yeah. what shows rated well and which shows rated not so well. But the addiction at Fox was to minute by minute ratings. And the thing about minute by minutes is you can see what guest is more popular, what guest is less popular. You can see for, for all we know was what they were wearing or what their hair color looked like. You know, you can you can start to make decisions based on such granular data. But I think oftentimes you end up making the wrong decision. You're you're not you, you don't it's it's um. It's a you know it's a mystery sometimes what those ratings really reveal. So Fox was chasing the viewers who wanted to hear that Trump won the election when he actually lost. Mm-hmm. As a result, they pushed the big lie story and they pushed voter fraud stories. Ultimately, got them sued, so it hurt the network dramatically. But they were doing it because of the pressures you're describing, the pressure to keep the audience hooked at all costs. Yep, yep, the engagement. See, I I would watch CNN, and and I could base my entire life on it. I knew that when I looked up at the clock and it was 10 past, I knew my headlines were about five minutes away, and I could be up to date with the rest of the world. I love that type of format, but people don't really buy into that anymore. Some people do, some people don't. Uh, I, I agree that format has largely faded away. Uh, HLN, you know, the channel formerly known as Headline News, actually uh, stopped uh, producing its own newscast late last year. And I, I wrote an obituary of sorts for Headline News because I think that that was an end of an era. But but what it was replaced by, the reason it was it was obsolete was we all have all that information in our pockets, on our phones. You know, we all carry around these these sources of news at all times. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the, the greater dilemma, I think, becomes uh, th- that we we don't know not not we i think some people do and some people don't a lot of people don't know how to make heads or tails of what is real versus what is made up in that media environment it's harder and harder than ever uh, to know what is reliable and what is not i keep waiting for people to respond to what mr trump did this a couple of weeks ago when he said that yeah i'll just pick a uh, uh chucker carlson as my vp and it's like i want someone yeah. to react to this because i want to have a conversation but i don't want to be the fire starter <laughs> Why don't you want to be the fire starter? Man, oh my God, I lost so many friendships during that last presidential election. It's like, do I really want to walk down that road again? Mm. Uh, you know, that I, I, I take your point, and that is a that's a, a really important point because I want to live in an environment where we can have productive dialogues yes. uh, with people who vote different ways. Uh, I want to be able to have civic conversations and find areas where we agree instead of disagreeing. And, and there's great groups out there trying to help make this happen. Uh, groups like Better Angels and More in Common who who encourage civic dialogues so that we can find common ground. You know, in my experience, you know, uh, someone who, uh, you know, I was used to live in Manhattan. Now I live in a little red town in New Jersey. Uh, you know, a lot of neighbors who disagree with me, and that's great. We actually mostly agree on most issues, and we have to try to make sure that the Trump of it all does not overwhelm and, and exhaust every other conversation. I can't imagine what your world is like right now in the way of AI technology, because I keep bumping into uh, technology where they're accusing me of using music inside my conversations. There's not one drop of music in anything that I do, but yet they they keep taking me down. And it's like, how is it affecting your world as well? If you do a story, eventually AI technology, they might go in there and say, anybody who's going to talk about Fox being a liar, get them down, get them down, take them down right now. Well, uh, you know, we are in the barely in the first inning of this AI era, and uh, although I have very little confidence in government to provide constructive, productive regulation on this front, uh, I think we should at least hope that there will be oversight, uh, that there will be oversight uh, in some fashion uh, for exactly what you just described, so that uh, when there are errors, when there are excesses, when there are uh, when when when, pe- when there is injustice, when people suffer as a result, there has to be uh, a system to resolve that. 
look, I had an interesting example, an interesting experience with this when I, I left CNN last year. Um, there was an article posted about me on a fake news website, probably written by a robot, probably never yeah. written by a human, yeah. probably yeah. written by an AI, that said I had been arrested by a military tribunal. And uh, I had a fact checker email me asking if that was true. A few weeks later, the same fake news site said I had been sentenced to death. Oh, and then another few weeks later, the same site said I had been killed, I had been executed at Guantanamo Bay. So you know what happened? The fact checker emailed me and said, uh, can you can you, can you you comment on this? <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, how am I supposed to prove that I'm not dead? How am I supposed to, to disprove this fake news story? You know, that is the kind of confounding, crazy media environment we live in these days, where anyone can write anything about you. Uh, where where these these machines and these algorithms these uh, large learning models might be flagging your content for no good reason might be might be making up lies for no good reason and so people are going to need an ability to have recourse in that environment mm. I can't imagine the anxiety that you personally went through in making sure that the facts and everything inside that story were spot on before you could even put it on the air because I mean you, once again you were part of CNN during an age where dude the world relied on CNN. Yeah, the way I would describe it is that places like CNN, places like the AP and ABC and NBC, yes. they're flawed, but they're trying. And, and that's the important part. We should not expect major news outlets or minor news outlets. We shouldn't expect news outlets of any size uh, to be perfect. You know, my, my local paper the other day mentioned to me and it, it said I still worked at CNN. And I was kind of I was kind of cracking up. I was like, come on, my neighbors know that I got fired last year. You know, it, but but that kind of minor mistake, you know, a misspelling of a name, uh, getting the title wrong, that should not cause us to distrust media. It should just make us recognize that the people making it are humans, just like we are. We're all flawed, but we're all trying. And, and that's how I feel when I, when I think back to CNN and the Trump years. I think uh, the journalists there did an outstanding job of trying to separate fact from fiction yep. and trying to speak truth to power. It wasn't always comfortable. It wasn't always easy. And, and we, we didn't always do it perfectly, but we were trying. And uh, that's all we can expect from the media is uh, to be honest about the situation, to, to do it in good faith and uh, and to try to, to be on the side of the audience. I, I think that's actually the framing that's the most useful. We're on nobody's side. We're on no party's side. We're only on the side of the listeners. That's how it should be. Yeah. It was almost like a Beatles moment when we started hearing the term fake news, fake news. And I, and I would I would call people out when I do the fake news or, or, or uh, share fake news. And I'd say, it's just fake news. And they'd go, what makes you the expert that, that it's fake news? How do you know it's not? And it's like, oh, my God. I mean, it's like, let's let's sit down and have a real honest to God conversation like we did on the ranch in Ranchester, Wyoming. Have a conversation at the dinner table. Right, right. The fake news was such a weaponized term because... Uh, up until the 2016 election, it, it meant something very specific. I, I was on CNN back then talking about this new specific problem, uh, actually fake stories that were made up, designed to deceive people. Mm -hmm. Stories of the one I just mentioned, saying that I've been executed at Gitmo, you know, something that's absurd, but some people want to believe it. They want to share it on Facebook. So those were actually fake stories. That was a real new phenomenon. It was a big problem for Facebook. It was a real issue. And, and we were covering it on CNN. Then in January of 2017, Trump heard us say the words fake news, and he turned that phrase against us. Wow. He had a press conference, he said, you're fake news, and he started saying it to the real news media. I understand why he did it, I know why his fans liked it, but he weaponized and, and exploited that term. And frankly, he redefined it. <laughs> because now we can't, we can't talk about actually fake news, 
because uh, he's now he's now redefined it to mean whatever news he doesn't like. <laughs> wow. Well, during during the Halloween season, one of the things that I was blessed with was, was to talk with an actual witch and who's upset by the fact that they're using the term witch hunt in the way that they are today. And it's like he, and the guy goes, look, I, I the thing is, they're using it wrong. And, and so it's just we live in this world where find the hot word, get that hot word, say it over and over and over again so that people will speak it. That's right. That's 100% right. That's most of our politics now. It's just sloganeering. But I think most people want better than that. I think most people want uh, a real, actual debate. I don't think most yeah. people want to be spoon-fed or just told what they already believe. You know, we're, 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 we're better than that. And, uh, I, you know, personally, I'm, I'm still hopeful that um, we can get kind of out of this age of mis- and disinformation into a better one. Well, do you see journalism uh, continuing to change in the way, because I'm fascinated with the way that journalists are creating their own podcast with 8 to 12, 15 episodes, because I'm getting a fuller, better story. We're there for the longer story. It's just that we can't be yeah. a Ronald Reagan soundbite generation. <laughs> but that's another example of that more in-depth storytelling, that more uh, thoughtful uh, kind of uh, media that takes longer to produce, yeah. uh, takes more money to produce, but ultimately is better, more rewarding and more valuable. And I believe more profitable. Man, I, I can't thank you enough for this book because I think it's going to be the conversation starter. And and people that, that read it are going to sit down and they're going to have an honest to God conversation about their ups, their downs, their twists, their, you know, and, and, and how we just kind of envision where we are in history. Hmm. Well, thank you. I was uh, grateful to be talking with you, and uh, thanks for talking about the book. Please come back anytime. The door's always going to be open for you, Brian. <laughs> thank you. You be brilliant today, okay? <laughs> you too. You bet.